You might not think so, but it turns out there's a lot in common between how those apps on your phone and video games like League of Legends work. Today, we're talking to Jeff Cow at Riot Games about how they make things look good and, more importantly, fun to play. This is Design Driven, the podcast about using design thinking to build great products and lasting companies. Whether you're running a startup or trying something new inside of Fortune 1000, the tools, methods, and insights we talk about will help you create things people love. Design Driven is brought to you by Nine Labs, guiding innovators and product teams through executing their vision. Find out more at NineLabs.com. And now, your host, Jay Cornelius. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Design Driven. Today, I'm excited to have Jeff Cow. He is a UX designer working at Riot. You might not know Riot, but you probably have heard of League of Legends. It's one of the biggest games out there. So we're happy to have Jeff on the show today, talk through some stuff about they're doing at Riot. Jeff, how are you, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm glad you could join us. So um, tell some people out there about kind of how you got started and what you're doing, your background, uh, what you're working on that's exciting, and give us, give us a glimpse into your world. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so my name is Jeff, and I've been a UX designer for kind of my, my whole career. I'm one of those kind of fortunate people that in college found user experience design. I went to school in Chicago at DePaul and got a degree in human-computer interaction. And it was one of those things where um, – you know, I found the field, really fell in love with it, and fell in love with kind of the way that I got to kind of help people um, by also making really cool things. Uh, so I worked in Chicago um, for some companies like Motorola and, and Allstate Insurance and also some smaller agencies um, like Manifest Digital and uh, later up in Milwaukee, Kramer Crassle, which is an ad agency. And kind of my focus has always been in how to make kind of really awesome products that really engage people and kind of make people's lives a little bit better. Um, but more recently, and about six years ago, I moved to Los Angeles to start working at what was then a very small company, Riot Games, located in Santa Monica. And um, I've been really fortunate to see Riot kind of explode as a company, both in how popular League of Legends has become but also Riot as a company kind of grow into all these different fields from, you know, not only gaming, but also esports, which is just huge. And we make cinematic trailers and other experiences. And now I'm really happy because I'm focused purely in research and development for Riot, which means, you know, we're a game studio that only has one game and we want to change that and, and see what the new games that are coming down the line. So I've been really fortunate to work in, in R&D uh, kind of coming up with the, hopefully the next big thing. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because when most people in the industry think about user experience design, they think about mobile apps or websites or, or things of that nature. You don't really think about gaming as being a big part of, uh, of the industry or something that requires that level of attention. So can you talk a little bit about um, what a UX designer does at a game company? Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, it's funny you say that, like, Coming as a UX designer, I actually didn't know I could work in video games either. And if I had known that, I, I, maybe I would have made, made the jump a lot sooner. Riot is one of the few companies right in the beginning that actually kind of involve UX design. Uh, so that's probably why you haven't heard of it. And if you work in video games, sometimes people think you're crazy when you say you're a UX designer. Um, but my role is, is, you know, we definitely do apps and websites and, and things like that. A lot of people think that 
a UX designer for a video game company means you just make like a lot of menus and, and screens in a client, which is also true. But in my role, kind of especially in R&D, I actually get to work in games themselves. So um, some of the games that we're developing are really UI heavy. And so one of the challenges that I have is you're trying to do all the things that you're doing in kind of normal interface design, but working on a product that you know people like absolutely spend on plan on spending hundreds of hours just engaging in your product for the fun of it and not just to do some other thing like buy tickets to a show or get car insurance or something like that. Yeah, so um, there's probably a lot of facets of game design where UX design principles could really benefit overall. And, and obviously, you know, there's all the things kind of around the actual game experience. Um, so it's pretty fascinating to hear how it plays out. You mentioned that you're in R&D. So what's the day-to-day like and what kind of tasks are, are you trying to, to get done there? Uh, well, the tasks around are we have an idea for a game. We have a lot of prototypes and things like that, which... Early on in the process, when you're in that kind of ideation phase, a lot of it is you have an idea for a game. You'll make even just a paper prototype with just pieces of paper and, and rolling dice and, and things like that. And kind of quickly, you want to get to see if in the digital world, if it's going to feel good, if it's going to feel fun. So I would spend a lot of time making prototypes in whether it's things, screens in Illustrator or things like that, or even using some more of the kind of animation style programs that are out there and a lot of it is you're making a small test you're playing it among yourselves and you're rating how fun that is against the values that you have for the game that you want to make um so day to day now that we're getting further in the process i work with kind of animators vfx artists uh game designers obviously and engineers um but even like sound design because ultimately the challenge that we have is we have some piece of information, some feeling that we want a player to have, and what are all the tools that we can use to, to kind of make sure that feeling is happening, and also kind of bring the, the vision of what game design wants in terms of the complexity of the systems or the content that we've created. Yeah, so there's a lot more parallels to game design uh, and app design than, than I ever thought. So a lot of it is the same process. It's just the, the, the output uh, is a bit different when you're uh, when you're done with the whole experience. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the biggest differences is when often when I've had to make uh, like an app or a website or something, you know, a lot of the times the criteria you're looking at are things like time to completion or you know hours of engagement or things like that. And the way that we kind of talk about things are, did the player have fun? Right? Is like is that something that we that someone's going to really feel excited about? Or in the case for us, we have such a rich environment in League of Legends, the world that we've created, that we often talk about, like, are League players going to really feel like this is an extension of, of kind of the world that they, that they know and love? Um, right. So, yeah, we, we definitely talk a lot about these kind of emotional aspects of it. And I think one of the other big differences is the time it takes for us to make something can be much longer because we have to do deal with things like animations and effects and, and things that just take a little bit more time. Right. So the, there's probably some stuff that an app designer or a, a web designer kind of in the traditional sense could really learn from the processes that you have at, at Riot because what you're doing has that extra level of complexity. And I think one of the major takeaways might be that you're actually trying to make something fun 
And most yeah. of the times, like, I can't imagine someone sitting down at Wells Fargo and saying, hey, we got to make <laughs> wire transfers fun, right? But maybe they should. Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I definitely think that a lot of it is you learn that in UX design, often you're kind of tasked with, how do I do something as fast as possible? How do I kind of get out of a user's way? While in games, often we want to actually get in their face and show something complicated because there's that idea of mastery that a player might be really excited about. So I think that what I kind of take away when I when I then go back and make traditional designs is that sometimes there's parts of a design that might seem like a rough edge or a corner that instead of trying to smooth out, you might actually want to explore and say, this is a really cool thing that we have that's unique, that sets us apart. And maybe we actually want to accentuate that and make that a, a much better experience and, and do something where people can actually find themselves to be really delighted by that design. Yeah, I, and I really wish more people in kind of the app design world would, would feel that same way because I think we'd have <laughs> you know, a lot better stuff on our phones to, to, uh, to get things done. <laughs> I, I definitely see in some more traditional app de- kind of design kind of the gamification and gamification usually means like oh i i made it so when i check in enough times i get like a little badge that that pops up but also i think sometimes in some of the motion i see especially a lot that comes out of apple and google's kind of material design you see a lot of like cool animations and things like that that i think in the past people kind of treated as like oh it's just kind of fluff but I think there's a lot of purpose and meaning behind that that, um, as a designer, I get really excited about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're starting to see more of those um, just subtle animations appear in common applications these days, right? So not so much on the web, but more in, in on small screen apps. We're yeah. starting to see more of that stuff kind of seep its way into you know, the common UI patterns. So it's, 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 uh, it's nice to see that, uh, that that's for good reason and that we could probably actually prove that those types of things help the experience by looking at more of what people are doing in the gaming world. Right, right, definitely. So can you talk a little bit about the process of um, like the team composition? Um, is it very designer-heavy? Is it engineering-heavy? Um, how, how do you guys work together? Just give us a little bit of insight there. Yeah, um, you know, when the team first started, the team that I'm on, it was an extremely small team. I think we had maybe eight people and the majority of us were designers of the of the game design ilk. And so when I would kind of talk to other people at Riot where it was, you know, maybe one UX designer, seven engineers, and another game designer, I would often come in and say, I'm working with five other designers. And you kind of feel a little bit like you're getting outnumbered. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing about it was at that time, a lot of kind of what you're talking about is just learning what the values that people really care about. And so I, I think at first we really all ended up speaking a very similar language. And so one of the things that I noticed was coming out of that kind of early phase, a lot of the designers I work with, they really understood the things that I, I cared about. And most of the time that was around like clarity of information. And I would understand kind of what they really cared about. Then kind of like as we've grown, the we still have tons and tons of game designers. We added another UX designer, so there's there's two of us on our team. And um, we also now have a much larger kind of engineering pool and QA and production. Um, and then a much larger art department in terms of illustrators, VFX artists, animators. And so 
what we try to do is still retain that kind of small team feel by creating lots of little pods. So you'll have a pod that's focused on a very specific feature or a specific area of the game. And we try to kind of create that that feeling of, you know, we're focusing on this one area and really trying to make it as as awesome as we can. Sure. So it, again, it mirrors a lot of more traditional design teams. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes Riot maybe a little bit unique is that we tend to treat most of our, the way that we work is more of like a tech company and less of a kind of traditional game studio where you have kind of one person who has the whole vision of everything and is kind of filtering all this work down a, kind of a waterfall pipe. At Riot, we really kind of think about it as how do we be as agile as we can and more kind of design focused mm -hmm. and kind of design driven. And so for us, that means that as designers, we will take a look at a piece of work and and evaluate and say, you know, we do play tests twice a day um, and see what comes out and really go back and say, hey, this thing that we've been working on isn't working right. Let's throw it back and let's, you know, include everyone, including engineers and QA into what our planning is for how we want to design a new thing or a better version of that thing. Yeah. So um, you mentioned play testing twice a day. So that was yeah. kind of leading into to where my thought was going, which is, you know, what level of fidelity are you building these prototypes into before you sit down and, and try to play it and see if it's actually fun? Yeah, it's it's really, it runs the gamut. Um, kind of like I said early on, a lot of it is just paper, where it's people are just kind of, you, there's a fun exercise you can do, which is you can take any video game and you can really break it down and, and play it with just, you know, a pack of Post-it notes and Sharpies. And so we, we do a lot of those exercises where you take something that might seem really complex and make it a very simple question. Um, and then later on, some of the earlier prototypes were just black and white boxes moving around on a screen. And now that we're kind of further along in the process, you see things that have full color, that are the full effects. And what we try to do is you know bring certain areas of the game up to what we think is you know 100% even though it's so hard to find kind of the perfect kind of 100% completion. But we try to bring everything up at once because we need to be able to see the game in, as, as a whole and its kind of visual self and make sure that everything is balanced and the right information is, is being you know, projected to the player. Right. So are, are all the games um, similar in style or do you have like some are... Um... A single person. What are the, I'm not a gamer, so I'm going to get right. the, the the terminology messed up. But the single person shooter games versus mm -hmm. like car racing games versus like uh, football and baseball, or <laughs> like is so are, is everything within kind of a, the same genre, or are you kind of running the gamut? The kind of you know it's hard to talk about R and D, um, but the the kind of party line that we have is we're trying a lot of different things, but we try to keep it. Um, where we have a lot of smaller, we have a few small teams that are at different stages, and we really try to explore everything. Riot Games is kind of prides itself being a pretty hardcore gamer company, so we tend to focus on on those games that we think are going to appeal to, you know, gamers like us. You know, Riot is we definitely try to strive to be the most player focused game company in the world, and part of that is when we hire people on, we try to find people who are like us, who like the same sorts of games. So um, it really runs all over the kinds of things we're looking at, but we try to pick areas that we think are the most interesting and really focus in on those. 
So is being a, a gamer kind of prerequisite to employment? Yeah, it, it kind of is, which is a, a weird statement. Like, I always imagine that, um, you know, if I worked at another company, like when I worked in insurance, one of the questions they don't ask you is, how much do you love insurance? Especially when you're, in my case, I was like in my 20s. Um, but for us, it's really the exception to the rule if you're not a hardcore, passionate gamer uh, to, to work at Riot Games. And and there's a couple reasons for it. But the biggest one is that, you know, as gamers, we have a lot of kind of a shared sensibility of, of what it's like to be a gamer. And we know that we're designing for, for the types of people that we are. Um, that's not to say that we don't care about non-gamers, you know, casuals, if you will. Um, but those are the people that we really try to try to design for. And if you're coming into the company as a, as a non-gamer, um, it, it can just be really challenging to, to know kind of the lingo, the kind of culture that's around that, and to really be able to make good decisions for kind of a user group that you might not know a lot about. So the, the thing we usually say is like, if, if you aren't a gamer, you have to be really pretty incredible at your craft to kind of come at Riot and excel. And, and it's not necessarily because, you know, we're reviewing you based on that, but it's hard to make good decisions for a user if you don't really know what the user is like. Right. So rather than just trying to empathize with somebody that you can't, that you don't share anything in common with, you're, it's more of a direct line to empathy because you are that, that user. You are the person you're designing for. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be honest, as a UX designer, that was a really big culture shock for me coming here was I was used to working at a lot of companies where in a room I could raise my hand and say, Hey, I'm the UX expert. I know what our, I know what our users want. And kind of by, by the fact that I had that title, people would listen to me and say like, Hey, you know, he, he knows more about our users than anyone else because I'm a systems analyst or I'm a business analyst or, or what have you. But Coming to a game studio when every person from, you know, engineers to product owners to the janitors to, you know, the people who run the IT lab, you know, all, everyone is a passionate gamer. So it ends up that as a UX designer, I, I feel like my quality bar has to be raised a couple steps up because I can't get away with just saying, well, I know what the user wants. You know, right. everyone kind of has that same feeling. So everyone has that measure of being able to make a decision to say, well, I've played that in a game and what you just did doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So that's, that's similar to some of the stuff that we've seen happen in some of our corporate and startup work where, you know, you go in and you're trying to help someone empathize with their users, but they, since they had the idea or since they are, you know, the key stakeholder, they feel like they have a better insight into the way that that should work than you do. Yeah. But in your case, it's usually true. Yeah, <laughs> it is usually true. I mean, I as much as I'm, I love gaming, you know, especially when you think about it at a competitive level, I'm not nearly as good as quite a lot of people that I work with. And so, you know, for me, I actually end up doing a lot of research uh, in my spare time, which means playing a lot of video games, which, which sounds fun, but it also means sometimes you're playing games that you wouldn't necessarily want to play just because you want to understand kind of the mechanics that are happening or find sure. out what you know people are really interested in despite yeah. you might not necessarily being a very into fighting games or car racing games or things like that 
Yeah. So, and that again goes back to kind of a parallel with a, with a lot of the uh, research that a typical UX designer has to do is you know who wants to go and dig through thirty different insurance forms to find the best <laughs> way to get through it. But I mean, that's part of it, right? That's part of the Absolutely. job. Absolutely. So, I mean, it sounds like you've got a, you know people there who are highly passionate about the product. You've got people you're working with cross functional teams. I'm I'm kind of curious what. Um, kind of design methodologies and and systems and tools are you using, and and how have you seen the usage of those different tools or, or methodologies change the way that you approach design? That's a great question. I think um, hmm. so. In terms of methodologies, I think probably the the best way that we go about it is we don't have a prescribed methodology. So every team is kind of approaching things in different ways. I've certainly worked on teams that decided that, you know, kind of a traditional sprint agile methodology doesn't make sense. And we might run something that's more similar, you know, similar to like a waterfall method or a Kanban. Um, in terms of kind of tools, um, the way that we kind of approach thing is everyone picks the tools that they like. I tend to still go by with the old tried and true of making, you know, comps in, in Illustrator or, or things like that. Um, I've started using tools like Principle and Sketch, um, for us, a difficult thing with R&D is that a lot of those tools tend to be cloud-based, so we don't really want to risk uh, putting things in the cloud that if someone were to you know, steal my password, which is like my dog's name, they could easily get a lot of really you know, kind of enticing information. Um, you know in terms you have of, to change your dog's name now, right? Oh, my God. I totally forgot. <laughs> so I, I think you know, to kind of answer your question, we really try to run – run kind of through a lot of different ways to solve a problem. And we try to empower teams to be able to make their own choices. And one of the things that we found has worked really well for us is we don't, is our UX team, which is actually quite large now, is completely matrixed out because we very much value kind of UX designer in relation to the other disciplines, um, how they can kind of work together to understand a problem. Um, even though we know we kind of lose out a little bit on kind of the UX cohesion. We also are interesting because unlike other UX teams at game studios and is that we actually are embedded as part of game design. So when we have our big kind of design meeting, it's not with UI artists or um, kind of user researchers. It's actually with the game designers so that we can, again, kind of understand uh, the thinking that the kind of design thinking both from game design and UX design. Nice. Yeah, it's, I wish more companies would do that. <laughs> so it sounds like the um, leadership there has bought into the idea of design really leading the product and, and of the design team having a lot of say and, and uh, being well-structured. Can you talk a little bit about their vision for the way design gets done and maybe how some of those methodologies have been, uh, been kind of prescribed from the top? Yeah, um, you know, I, when I started at, at Riot, we were only a couple of hundred people. Now I think we're north of 2,000 and in all over the world. And our, our two kind of co-presidents, co-CEOs, uh, Mark and Brandon, they started the company. And I think in the beginning, they didn't really understand kind of user experience, but they brought in two key hires, um, both Steve and, and Lynn, who started the UX team. And we were kind of embedded in this team that was more player experience and we definitely did our design work was much more at the how do we improve our store how do we improve our website 
And I think what's happened is not necessarily that they prescribed, hey, UX is really important. It should be part of the making of our new games. It's more that over time, the the designers on the team who've, who've come in, we've kind of shown to our, our product owners and to teams how useful we can be. So a lot of times we still have that teams get created and we're trying to figure out what's as a UX designer, what's the best way that we can help this team work? And so in, in some of those cases, it can mean for, for someone like me, where I'm involved really early on in the kind of strategy and the ideation phase, but other times it can be much more, hey, we have all these kind of visual effects that are not clear. Can we bring in a UX designer maybe a little later to do a bunch of work on making that more clear, to upgrade our effects? Sure. The other pieces that we do work really closely with our insights, our user research team. And so they're constantly doing research on, on what's resonating with players and what's not. And, and so they can also help us identify areas that we think that we can be really effective in. Yeah, nice. So um, I guess kind of a, a, to wrap things up, if, if you were to create a, a UX or design team within a non-gaming company, what lessons would you bring from Riot and in setting up that team? Um, I think I would bring in a lot of the things. To put it differently, when I think about the kinds of companies I want to work for and the kinds of places I think would be interesting, it's that passion and that kind of endless curiosity that I think is really important. And so, you know, for us, that means that when we're putting teams together, we're looking for those kinds of people who are just really interested in how do we make something as kind of delightful for our players as we can. So I, I really think I would focus on that kind of passion part because, you know, I, I think as you put earlier, you can kind of teach someone, you know, how to make a combo box or a radio button, but it's hard to kind of teach that passion for, for a design space. Right. So uh, this is a common theme that appears on the show is um, have people who actually care about what they're doing and who, can, <laughs> and who can create or develop empathy for the person that they're designing for and make sure that that team communicates well. Very well said. <laughs> well, you said it, not me. I just <laughs> All right, man. Well, hey, thanks again for being on the show today. If somebody wants to get in touch with you and hear some more about Riot and the work that you're doing there, what's the best way to reach out? Uh, they can reach out to me on Twitter, jeffcow.net, or my email address is jeffjcow at gmail.com. Awesome. And we'll link that stuff up in the show notes too. So uh, you can just go there and, uh, and click away. Um, cool. Thanks again for being on the show. I'd um, love to have you back at some point, kind of hear how things are progressing at Riot. And until then, uh, thanks again. Thank you very much. It was, it was a lot of fun. That's it for today. Design Driven is brought to you by Nine Labs, guiding innovators and product teams through executing their vision. Find out how they can help improve your digital products at NineLabs.com. Have comments, questions, or an idea you'd like us to cover? Point your browser to designdriven.biz and click Contact Us at the top of your screen. We'd love to hear from you. Tell your friends and colleagues about the Design Driven Pod. Post on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or send them an email and tell them to go to designdriven.biz or wherever they find their podcasts. Until next time, remember what Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, said. Good design is good business.